that is the other side of the Saudi experience that I have. And as I was about to get off the train, uh, this young Saudi woman just comes up to me and, and, and hands me a note. She just, it just said there, um, you have a very nice smile. Have a nice day. This is Mohanad Hamade, and you're listening to the Expatations Podcast. And no, it's not a typo. Here you can find a collection of stories and experiences of expats and people who wanted to challenge themselves and live the adventure. Join us in this journey to explore more about the expatriate life or if you're simply interested to know about the challenges and expectations of living abroad. Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Expectations Podcast. Today's guest is Liz Yap, who is an ordinary girl from Australia. Liz has been in Saudi Arabia for around 13 years, and today she's with us to share some of her story. So she is working in the oil and gas industry, precisely admin and HR. Hello, Liz, how are you? Hello, Mohammed. Nice to be here. Thank you. How your, your whole experience in Saudi Arabia started? How did you find out about this opportunity? How did you decide to come here? Precisely uh, a lot of uh, years ago, which is definitely a different image of Saudi Arabia that has been distributed to the world. Like the whole world has a different idea of what Saudi Arabia is now. So how did you, how did you get here? Well, I saw an advertisement in 2008 in the, um, the Sydney Morning Herald. So I'm from Australia and uh, I was actually house-sitting at the time and uh, I had no plans to work overseas, quite happy with my job and, uh, and I just happened to see this job advertisement for, um, to do with admins in, but it didn't even say what company, it just said travel and I thought, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that sounds good. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it said Saudi Arabia. <laughs> uh, yeah, it mentioned the country, of course. Yeah, but it didn't say the company or anything like mm. that. All it said was um, travel like Tammy or something like that. You know, she's been to Chicago, New York, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, this sounds like a good opportunity. And then I found out, you know, a bit more information about it. And I'd never even heard of the company. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so anyway, I mean, I just kind of thought it must have been something that uh, must have meant to be because I was no, I was actually just house sitting. I was about to throw the newspaper out, and something made me open the employment pages of that newspaper. Interesting. When normally I would have just thrown it in the bin. Because I was actually in the process of moving from one house sitting job to another house sitting job, just as a yeah, I, just, I was just helping out some friends from work, mm-hmm. and I was I would have just thrown it in the recycling bin, but something called me to open it up, and I just opened up and the first page that came. It was in color; everything else was black and white, and I saw that ad, and I went, "Oh, okay." And when I applied, and and they, you know, I sort of said, "Oh, I'm not sure if this is really what I want to do." And then they convinced me to, to, to apply, so I applied, and mm-hmm. then I got there. And, but it took a long time to, to get here. And then um, and I remember during the interview, the lady said to me, oh, how do you feel about Saudi Arabia? You know, 
with security and safety and how, how do you feel about that, Eliza? That's in Saudi Arabia. No, this is before I in came. In the interview. In the interview, oh, yeah, yeah. because they wanted to know how do you feel about coming to Saudi Arabia. Mm. And for me, all I thought of with Saudi Arabia was, oh, there's always fighting going on. You know, there's always, they're involved in wars and things like this in, in the whole Middle the East. The Middle East in general. In general, yeah. You know? and, yeah. and at the time, when I was growing up, Lebanon was the big thing when they had the civil war and Mm, yes, yeah, so in the eighties. So yes. that's my picture of Middle East, and everyone's like, "Oh, everything's war torn all the time," you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know for some reason, I just thought, well, you know, if my time's up, my time's up. <laughs> that was that was as simple as that. Yeah, that was that was just my feeling. It's like, well, you know, you can't live, uh, you know, totally in fear of things all the time. True. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of how I came along. and Which um, is an interesting point. We will get back to it later. But mm-hmm. uh, I find it very fascinating that, you know, a uh, little piece of paper <laughs> that is in, in, not a, even your place, that yes. you <laughs> basically opened the page and it just shined, like the lights were, was, yeah, was on it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, later and, on. And that changed your whole life. It did, it did. And I, I, I didn't think about it at the time that that was a bit weird that, mm. you know, I was actually... Mm. And the thing is, I wouldn't have normally had that newspaper. I actually brought it from the first house sitting job to the second one <laughs> to throw it in the recycling bin because yeah. I was trying to be a good citizen. <laughs> and uh, and then, yeah, I, for some reason, it just seemed to call on me when it was on the table. I was about to pick it up to throw it. Very interesting. Yeah. My question is, did you end up throwing that paper away? No, I actually cut out that. <laughs> I cut out the job so out. So you tortured it. Yeah. <laughs> So I still have it there because it was it was as like you said it's it was a life changing moment and um, definitely don't regret it. I mean I I did actually not nearly come. Uh, oh yeah, because <laughs> I'm not a morning person <laughs> and uh, the job I knew the job had to start at seven a.m. and I've never I'm, I'm not a seven a.m. kind of person. Like my normal wake up time is eight. Uh-huh. So I, well, I was t- telling my friend, I said, oh, maybe I won't go. I don't think I can do this. I can't keep waking up so <laughs> early. And she goes, and it was classic. She just said to me, look, if you don't go, I'll go. And I went, okay, 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 I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the I was being funny, silly. <laughs> yeah, the funny part is that, you know, war, fine. Uh, problems, <laughs> Middle East, I don't know anything about it, fine. But wake up at seven, no way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, and it's been tough. I mean, it, I'm, I'm going against my biological clock every yeah. day. But, um, yeah, I just, I just keep doing it. And, and we finish at four, um, but at the moment three with the pandemic. But, um it's a strange feeling to 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 have to actually suddenly change the way you you have to work. Mm. Um, and like coming home and it's like oh it's still it's still sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first major thing that you you started waking up at seven a.m. Well, starting work at seven. So oh, you, so you have to be up before then. Yeah. Uh, so, so the whole thing changed for you, starting from when you wake up, when you go to sleep, of course. Mm. Well, I still go to go to sleep at the same time, which is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, how was your first experience in Saudi Arabia? Like when you first got here, um, how do you describe this feeling you got? Ever since you walked out of the plane, I'm guessing you got in an airplane mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you walked into the airport, got to the streets, saw the, the, the people around you, the culture. This is a little bit of the, the image you started to get about this country. And eventually 
to your accommodation. How do you describe that feeling? Um, it felt quite surreal because it was like I arrived like nearly midnight and everything was dark. I had no idea where I was. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I was just in the car being driven to my accommodation. I had no idea where it was. Like I, I had no reference to a map. Um, yeah, so I was like trusting basically, fully trusting that my company was doing the right thing. Like when I got to the airport, I had to make my way through immigration, get to the, the office that I needed to get to, hand over my passport, mm -hmm. which felt very, very vulnerable. Unusual. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I want to keep an eye on that. <laughs> But you couldn't. So, uh, yeah, you had to give it away. And, um, yeah, and it was just that, uh, that realization, oh, I'm here now. I mm. can't leave, mm. you know. So I felt like oh, I didn't feel like I was stuck or anything. It felt like a new adventure. And that was, uh, I guess that's how I've been treating being here most the of the time. The whole experience. Yeah, it's, it's an adventure with, with little bits of, um, you know, the, the mundane of going to work and things like that. But the rest has been an adventure. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so this is, of course, a uh, an old regulation where you have to give up your passport, right? This is, it's it's now, I think, banned by the law to for any employer to withhold any travel document for, for the employees. Yeah, I think it's it's just been recent. It's yeah, a recent. Yeah, uh, recently mm. changed. So after that, when you started working, I most likely you started meeting people in your workplace, expats, locals, and everything. How do you describe your whole experience after you've been here? Like uh, your life basically started uh, in Saudi Arabia to change and to have a different course from whatever you had before. And uh, your whole interaction with the culture and what you had, what you had in mind. So what, what kind of image you had about Saudi Arabia other than the war and the uh, news about Middle East, mm, etc. So yeah, well, because I was working in a, in a compound, but I was in a remote compound, so I was like maybe two hours from the nearest large city, mm -hmm. and I'm in the east, eastern province. So um, I was basically surrounded by desert. So uh, the closest town was about forty-five minutes away. Um, there was a village outside, but um, you know. It's not, and at the time we couldn't drive outside, so generally it was hard to get outside past the gates. So um, my main introduction, or my or my main, um, uh, I guess, socialization with the, a lot of the Saudis was through work, because practically everybody at work was uh, was was a local, and um, I found them very friendly, always very helpful. Um, I guess they were actually quite fascinated because they'd always go, where's your family? Oh. They'd always ask, where's your family? How can you leave your family behind? You know, they didn't have that, they couldn't understand the concept that a woman could actually live on her own. They didn't actually need the family to be with them. Yeah. And um, they just was, were surprised. And, I, and now I understand why, because of their culture. Mm -hmm. It is very unusual. True. You know, so when they meet someone, they, they can't understand why, <laughs> but they ask why. <laughs> Which is very important uh, question to ask as a lady, as a girl in, in Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. especially that you've been here for a while now. Mm -hmm. uh, did you, do you think that was a, a big challenge for you to, to work in Saudi Arabia? You... The, 
the working wasn't the challenge. I mean, there, there's definitely the communication breakdowns and misunderstandings, mm-hmm. um, even like just when, when my sarcasm sometimes when I'm making a joke, <laughs> they don't get it and they think it's actually a bad thing and then I have, they have, to, I have to explain the joke to them. <laughs> so, um, and then they finally get it. Uh, but what I found, I think, the hardest, it wasn't that. It was the remoteness, the isolation, uh, not having many people around mm-hmm. and having to be strong enough to just enjoy your own company because that's pretty much all you had. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I came here uh, without family. Um, and most of the people in the compound that I was in were families. Mm-hmm. So they had their little family units, but most of the single people in, in the compound didn't. So you have to, you know, just find your own people, um, and that's what I did. I just, there was a you know, few crucial uh, friends that I had, and um, we would go on our adventures and, you know, nice. many, many weekends. I was never in the compound. I was always traveling somewhere or going somewhere, seeing something new. And, Interesting. And I like, I like to take photos. So um, I used to just, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd try and, I guess, introduce Saudi to my friends back home through Facebook. Wow. And a lot of times, because they all thought I was in Dubai. <laughs> Every time I'd say, no, That's Saudi. where the money is. Yeah, but they don't realize, you know, there, there's more than one con- one Middle East country than, mm. than Dubai. Um, I mean, Dubai's a city. But and I think I feel like I've educated them a little bit more now to understand that Dubai isn't actually a country. It's it's just a city, city. within and you know, all these emirates and Saudi is a different country and but it's taken quite a few years because they all keep saying Dubai. I said, No, I'm not in Dubai, I'm in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it's next door. Yeah. <laughs> it's right the, next door. Yeah, it's the bigger country. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. So So ha- that has to de- has to do with um, the oil and gas industry to live in a remote area and mm-hmm. work in such an environment where there's desert all over the place, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at the same time, which is a very interesting fact that this pushed you to, to go further and uh, actually value your weekends more and explore places. Mm. Perhaps many people who lived in the major cities like Riyadh or Jeddah, even the Mam or Khobar, did not have that uh, commitment, let's say, or... or mm the need or passion to go each and every weekend, explore the place, enjoy your time and mm. get back to your work. Mm, yeah, I think it, it, it forces, well, it forced me to get out. Um, I mean, because even something as simple as like, say you wanted to eat something different, mm. you know, <laughs> we, we would always laugh, we'd say, yeah, because we have so many dining options here, you know, and, uh, you know, and we just make fun of it. So, and you ended up cooking a lot because if you wanted to eat what you wanted to eat, mm-hmm. there was no one to cook it for you except yourself. And, I mean, the problem is a lot of the uh, people like that, we have dining halls here and they have the chefs here, but they only know how to cook their food. Yep. Um, or I should say to cook it well. They may try to cook something Western or Asian or whatever, but it never tastes the same. You know, it doesn't even sometimes even taste Definitely. even close to <laughs> what you think Definitely, it is. Yeah. But at least if you wanted chicken and rice, you know, if you wanted umali or which is a, a dessert, um, 
you know, if you wanted the traditional things, you're more likely to be happy, you know. But You'll if you get wanted, it perfectly made. Exactly. Well, sometimes, you know, because <laughs> a lot of times the people cooking, uh, maybe they're from India or Pakistan, Philippines, um, Egypt, uh, from Egypt, uh, you know. So they're always trying to cook something not from their country. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, and, and I'm, a, I'm a bit of a foodie, so it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm dying for noodles, but you can't even buy noodles, <laughs> you know. So a lot of times you just, I just have to try and make do and um, try and find substitutes. And, mm-hmm. and it's it's like a little game, you it know, is, like is. every time you go to a, a new country, I've got to go to the supermarket. You know, <laughs> what do they have here? You know, if, how, if, how do yeah. they deal with it? How do they do it? Yeah, yeah. you know, so whatever, if, if I'm traveling overseas, you know, I like to go into a supermarket to see, you know, what, what do they have? What can I bring back? You know, what will enhance my life when I go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but obviously not, not lately. So, uh, you know, I think um, a lot of people are, are, are using online shopping, True. which I haven't really uh, done very much of so I'm, <laughs> which is I'm a, resisting. a great saving money technique <laughs> <laughs> well no, i just I, I think i'm just trying to put things into perspective what mm. do i really need because if i can't get it why do i need to to, to have sh- it to have it yeah. yeah it's not a it's not a need sure. it's a want and I mean, a lot of times, because you know, you only have so many kilos of uh, baggage that you can bring back every year. And the first few years, I remember I'd bring back stuff from home, and then I realize I'm bringing a lot of stuff, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I have to carry it around the place. Yeah. And then I realize let's just try and find stuff here, and or make do without. And I thought that was a novel concept because it's almost mm-hmm. like a minimalist type Mm. of attitude because then i didn't have to bring that moisturizer i didn't have to bring that shampoo some of things are already here well not the same but Uh because i I didn't realize shampoo for the the same brand and everything it's not the same shampoo you know they have different formulas for different countries different regulations and yeah Yeah, exactly you know so in the end i just trial and error trial and error and then you know, but some things I still can't do without, and uh, you know, and this adjust. Yeah, and now with COVID, uh, where we, I can't go home, um, you know, I, I've been having people say, "Oh, is there anything I can get you?" Like if they were if friends are going to the states or f- to the UK, I'm saying, "Oh, if you see this in the in the pharmacy, can you get this?" Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't find a substitute. You yeah, know, so yeah. then then I'll ask. But uh, yeah, I've had to just learn to live without things and. Uh, but it gets so exciting when you like when I see an Asian food store, and I think, oh wow, I haven't seen this. Let's for explore ages. that. Yeah, or even like when Tim Tams came into the mm. uh, into the supermarket. And Tim Tams is this chocolate biscuit from Australia, mm-hmm. and you know, for three years I think I hadn't seen it for a long time, and then suddenly now they're here all the time. But for three years, it's like, oh, yeah, I'd bring back a whole bag. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember having to get, like, I was overweight in my bag. And the the lady at the, at the, uh, the check-in t- uh, counter said, I have to get rid of something. Wow. <laughs> so I decided I had to get rid of the Tim Tams. So I gave her the Tim Tams <laughs> just so that I can get under the seven kilos in hand luggage. 
and uh, you know. I, I kind of just thought, well, at least somebody is getting to eat yeah, them instead yeah. of me just I know throwing, that feeling. Yes, I know that yeah, feeling. instead of going in, into the garbage. And then I like I like to think that you know my loss was her gain technically. <laughs> so she could share the gain with everybody. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, but it was it's it's learning to adapt True. to here. You know? Which is very helpful to to what's going on today, right? The pandemic mm. and the COVID situation. Uh, I think whatever experience you had back in the day and until up till until now, uh, it must have prepared you very well to deal with things or immediate change. Let's uh, like what's going on right now, mm. right? I feel as though I've compared to many many of my friends. I feel like I've accepted the pandemic conditions a lot easier than others. Um, I I don't see it as a negative thing. I actually see it mm-hmm. as a positive thing. Interesting. Because I've got to travel quite a lot more in Kingdom. Uh, normally I do inside my... Inside the country. Inside the country, yeah. And I usually try to only... Like the only opportunities I could normally do that is during the weekends. So I would only see snippets of the country because that's all I had. But when we have these long holidays during Eids, I could do like now I can do road trips, mm-hmm. you know, and we can actually spend like nine days traveling around the country and seeing different things. Or even um, when I have my annual holiday, I would always go home or go somewhere else. But to actually have like, you know, nearly three and a half weeks in the country traveling around, doing all sorts of things. Introduce you to, to new things. Yeah, new things, new places, because... You know, even people uh, who I, you know, who, who live in the eastern province, the landscape here is not the same as the landscape in the west True. or up north. True. But people think it is, but they've never been. True. So, but they just assume everything's desert. But there's different types of desert. It's just like in Australia, there's deserts, but there are different types of deserts. Like yeah. I remember going from driving from, from Sydney to Perth. And you'd think there was nothing in the middle between those two that's, cities. That's like a nine hours drive, right? Or forty-two hour drive. Oh, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's like the entire thing. Yeah, you're going from the east coast to the west coast. Wow! I mean, it's actually longer, but we did it in forty-two hours. Yeah, we had three drivers. So all um, right. Yeah, and um, you know, we thought it was empty because it's desert. But mm. it was quite surprising mm. how it really wasn't empty. There was like, there was actually, uh, you know, uh, foliage around. There were actually animals. And, mm. um, and it was just a nice change just to see all this vastness. And it's the same here in Saudi. There's a lot of vastness. True. And the, the formations, rock formations, are very different from in the West co- uh, compared to the East. Correct. Yeah. And, um, or even in the center, like in the Riyadh area, the capital. Mm. So, um, and, and when you think about it, what was actually here, this was all underwater. And knowing that this was actually the bottom of the ocean, uh, you know, that's why you can find shark fossils here. True. You know, and, um, and, and uh, you know, just little f- other types of fossils around. And you realize that this place is really old. You know? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, and, and you get to appreciate um, the various landscapes because when you go down south, like towards Jeddah, it's different there again because it's very much more uh, focused on the, the sea, the Red Sea. Mm. Um, yeah, and, you know, and like next weekend I'm going to Farasan Island, so I'm going to see do more snorkeling. In, Which um, is very beautiful. It is, it yeah. is. And it's, it's still very undeveloped. 
Uh, but they are, you can see that they are already starting to develop it, which is, it's, you know it's going to happen. It's a bit disappointing, but I guess that's just the way it is with Saudi opening, opening up to tourism. Um, but for tourists, it's actually going to be a positive thing because mm. you will actually have somewhere to stay that, you know, you can actually rely on and Correct. things will be working. Because um, this is one of the issues in the country is maintenance. Well, actually not just in this country, it's really the whole region. It's a big challenge. It yeah. is, yeah, because the the environment is so harsh, mm-hmm. it's very hard to keep anything mm-hmm. maintained. But um, yeah, and this is this is one of the issues. Well, the the uh, positive part, at least to me, is that uh, I consider going to such places now that you will definitely enjoy. You will enjoy the views. You will enjoy the uh, the different environment. But uh, you've been to it now, and who knows when you're gonna go there next, or who else that someone that you know will get to visit that place, and the contrast, the difference between now and mm. then. I, f- I think it's going to be very interesting to you to experience that. So if you go today mm. and see the whole place and like come back in, in a couple of years or something major happens there that makes you go there mm. and, and see the difference, I think that's part of how you make memories. That's how you, you live your life even back at home. Mm. So that's why we all have this uh, feeling uh, that we miss home, that, you know, nostalgic to, mm. to visit the same street, the same uh mm. neighborhood yeah. or the, the places where you ha- yeah, yeah exactly so yeah. this is your memories are, are are being made right now in in such a thing yeah, and and challenged because i know Correct. like in 2009 i went to al-ula mm. so i decided i wanted to go back to see what had changed so i went back in december this last december yeah last december and um i was I mean, when I went first, it was just like, it was like a nothing, it was like a sleepy little place, you know, yeah. and now as like the whole tourism industry has just like descended on this place mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's a lot more commercial and, you know, and like when we were there, we had the whole place to ourselves, you know, yeah. we could go anywhere, we could climb so basically, anywhere. Basically, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically know. you went to Alola before it was cool. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Actually, back then it was uh, considered, like a lot of the uh, the locals, it was uh, cursed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there were, and there were incidents involved with that, so um people actually stayed away. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was just a... Uh, it was something that I wanted to do. It was one of the UNESCO sites and in Saudi Arabia. And um, I thought before I leave, because I was, was going to stay here for two years, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I wanted to see the, the three UNESCO sites. And, um, you know, so I thought, well, okay, I'll start with the biggest one, Al-Ula and Madan Salah. And, um, yeah, so I organized this trip with, uh, through, with the company and uh, – you know, we, it was like a whole busload of, of, of employees mm-hmm. and we got a really unique experience of the mm-hmm. area and it was still where things were as they were. Mm-hmm. People hadn't really developed it too much. So we sort of got to see it how it probably was maybe like even 30 years ago when mm. the first tourists probably came to see it. So not much had changed. And back then there were two hotels. <laughs> that was it, two <laughs> hotels. And now, I mean, there's more hotels, but still hard to get a booking. True. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just, it's just grown. It's just been, it's different. Um, 
but I'm glad I went in 2009 because I thought then it was magical. Mm. But even now, it's it's no matter with all the tourism, it still is a special place. It has its own thing. Yeah, there's yeah. a vibe. I think it, maybe it's similar to how the Aborigines in Australia have with their land, that connection. There's a vibe that comes out from the mountains, from the land. I feel like it's very similar here in Saudi Arabia. There's something... Like when you're like sitting in front of Elephant Rock, just having a cup of tea and just looking at it, and or you're you know just wandering around the the sites in in Mud and Salah. Yeah, it kind of transports you back to like, wow! Imagine if you were here like you know several thousand years ago. How are the how the pilgrims yeah, came? Because yeah. you know the pilgrims used to come here come here. How to did get people think of that? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So. Um, just to think, how did they travel? And they were on camels, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and they went over um, the, in boats. I mean, like it just mind boggles that people would go to that effort to come here. Like for us, we think it's difficult to travel around Saudi. Mm. Imagine what they had to go through. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So yeah. But again, it's it's up to your reference point. So whatever mm. uh, traveling methods you have now, it's gonna be. You're gonna compare that with whatever options you have now. So mm. to them, could be could be easier thing. Like maybe people had to walk sometimes yeah, through, through sure. places or cities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that so was a how a camel could be like <laughs> a, the the old Mercedes. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So you mentioned that uh, your plan was for you to stay here for two years and go back. Mm, two what years. What made you <laughs> extend it way too much? <laughs> well, two years. I thought because I mean. One year I thought you're just learning the job mm -hmm. generally and you're just kind of getting used to it. Then the second year I thought, okay, you know, learnt the job, I can now kind of relax and enjoy the country a bit more. But then I realised, oh, you can travel a lot too. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I'll just do one more year, so do three years. And because what I really wanted to do, I, I wanted to save up enough money to pay off a loan back home for a block of land I had. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, after a while I thought, well, I've done that. Um, you know, five years doesn't seem too long. Okay, we'll go for five years. And then five years comes along and you go, oh, you know, just a couple more years. I'm yeah, doing really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. And then someone told me, um, don't put a timeline. Mm -hmm. Don't put a year mm -hmm. on, on how long you're going to stay here. And then ever since then, I didn't think about years anymore. I just thought, well, when I don't enjoy it anymore, I'll leave. Okay. Or when they kick me out, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. Which gives you the, uh, the ability to, to uh, I think, your first experience to come to Saudi Arabia and to work here, no matter how long you stayed. I think this is a type of set of skills that, uh, embedded in your personality personality in general so whatever happens later whatever comes on the way you could just as you said pick up your your luggage and, and go somewhere else have your own experience at another country for example even if you go back home but now you have this mentality to to deal with this adapt to this and like what happened now with the COVID situation again mm -hmm. yeah which is i think is really interesting thing to think about mm. Um, let's, let's talk about your, more about your interactions with, with the Saudis, mm -hmm. the, the culture in general, uh, outside that compound where you live, mm -hmm. outside, outside the, your colleagues and the, the, the locals you worked with, 
generally in, in, in the country, when you traveled around, when you visited the cities, when you met more people in the streets, maybe, or, or the malls or mm-hmm. whatever place you went to, how do you, um, how did you, how did your experience go with people? especially people from different culture, possibly different religions mm. or dif- different beliefs or mm-hmm. different uh, ways of handling things. Uh, could be gender, could be mm-hmm. uh, nationality, etc. Well, being in a more remote area, I think the issue was when I did venture out to like the local uh, city that was close by, they weren't used to seeing single females roaming around their town. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was a negative um, experience I would have. Shopping was always a, oh, a tedious affair. You had to remember when were prayer times, you know. When do these things open? Because they're not like when you think a shop would open. You know, they might open at four in the afternoon, mm. but the whole day they're closed. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's like, a, I think, two to three major factors you have to consider. Yeah. Like, first of all, that uh, there's five prayers throughout the day, mm-hmm. uh, three of them that's at noon and then afternoon, then uh, just, just, bef- uh, before, just after sunset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then... You will have to consider that people would clo- open uh, in the morning, close at noon, and then they open again at four, mm-hmm. they close uh, later at night. So you had to deal with all of that to, to mm. know when to go shopping, when to get your things, yeah. when to go back. You have to plan. That's yeah. what made us, I mean, I know some of my friends, we got really good at planning. You would ha- and Because we couldn't drive, you mm-hmm. had to plan your transportation. Half the time you needed to know drivers. You, it's like you had to suddenly find a network to be able to move uh-huh. around. And that's the thing. It's like everyone's always exchanging information. Have you got a driver who can go to Bahrain? Have you got a driver who can go to Qatar? Mm-hmm. You know, have you got a driver for Hafuf? You know, and these sort of things. It was, it was interesting how I could get a driver to take me out of the country easier than I can find a taxi driver in the local town that I live near, you know, and because someone who could speak some English so you know, I'd learn the, I'd just learn a little bit of Arabic for the taxis, you know, mm-hmm. like to go left, right, stop here, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Before Google Maps, were like uh, there was no Google Maps. Like <laughs> we would have to go, okay, uh, at the McDonald's because there was this landmark McDonald's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the McDonald's because it's the first thing you saw when, like, out of the middle of the desert, you suddenly get to a city. That's the first thing you see at uh-huh. the McDonald's. Turn right. You know, and then from there you keep going till you get to two roundabouts. Then you'll mm. see this mall, you know, and you do it through reference points. And to me, the people who used to live here who had no Google Maps, they would tell. I asked them, "How do you, how do you know where you're going? How did you with that without the maps? How did you know? Because they weren't even, um, uh, you know, paper maps. Yeah, because it just changed all the time." And they would say every, on the Friday mornings, because that's when the prayer time was, it was very quiet. People were not driving. And driving in Saudi is, it, it can, it's very intimidating. You know, they don't follow a lot of rules. It's, it's a lot better now because they're they've enforcing a lot yes, of the rules yes. now and there's a lot of fines. So that's progression. I think that's quite good. Uh, but, yeah, people would drive on a Friday morning and try and work out how to get from A to B in the easiest way without having other people in traffic 
and that's how they used to do it. So I would do something similar where instead I'd, I'd use sometimes we'd have company buses or I'd go with a driver yeah. and I would follow, like in my mind, I would try and remember where they went so that I knew how to get there. Mm-hmm. If I had, if I got a driver who didn't know where to go, I could then explain where to go. And there, you know, just by going in those sort of towns, you end up, I ended up meeting a lot of, a lot of locals, a lot of other expats, uh, mm-hmm. like South Asian expats, a lot of Indians in Pakistan, especially if a lot of them were driving the, the, the vehicles back then. And, um, most of them didn't really know a lot of English. So, you know, sign language is, is like the another language of the world. It's, it, <laughs> you know, you can you can always tell them to stop in whatever way or, you know, turn right. and You could get creative. Yeah, you do. And it's amazing how you do actually understand. And some, some of them were so helpful. You're looking for a shop or you're looking for something that you need to get. And, I mean, you have some crazy um, misunderstandings, but... It was the helpfulness that is really refreshing. Mm-hmm. People will really, really, you know, help you to to get to your destination. They'll even like follow you. You know, I remember one time we were. I was looking for something. I mean, this is when I just a few years ago, already driving, and we wanted to find something, and a guy just happens to stop at the um, stop at the you know to see where what if we were okay on the side mm-hmm. of the road. Mm-hmm. And then um, he says, "No, no, just follow me." So he takes me. He takes me all the way to where it was I needed to go, out of his way. And like you know, all we could say was thank you. He he didn't want anything. He was just so happy to help. And that is the other side of the Saudi experience that I have, or like being on a train. Just I remember sitting there watching. Uh, on the train, they have uh, some TV programs, uh, mm-hmm. and the one I was watching was um, Shaun the Sheep. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever <laughs> yeah, seen I've that. Seen yeah, that you know, and I guess the the company, the railway company, just puts it on just for something to you to you know for yeah. you to kind of watch. Yeah. And of course, I'm just sitting there watching, and you know, there's no volume, so I'm just like laughing to myself with all the crazy stuff <laughs> happening with the sheep and and the dog or whatever. And as I was about to get off the train. Uh, this young Saudi woman just comes up to me and, and, and hands me a note. And I'm kind of confused. Cu- well, I'm confused. I'm thinking, why is she handing me a note? What's uh-huh. this? And then I open the note. And before I even get to look up to see who she was or to thank her or whatever, she disappeared. And Sounds like a movie scene. I know. It's, yeah. it's just so weird. And then I just open up the note and it, she just, it just said there, um, you have a very nice smile. Mm. Have a nice day. I mean, like it was so refreshing so genuine and very innocent and that that i have a lot i feel like that's a lot with a lot of especially a lot of women in saudi because i guess they are in a more sheltered environment so for them to even be on the train is Mm. pretty exciting you know it's a trip on its own exactly you know Uh, especially when they can't you know back then they couldn't drive Mm -hmm. so um but yeah, a lot of those sort of moments would come in, or everyone's always like wanting you to have have Read a cup of again. tea, have a chai, come on, have a, have a go, I have a you know coffee or whatever. Mm. Come in, come in, you know. This is something very major in the <coughs> Saudi culture in mm. general. Uh, mm-hmm. I think generosity. And in Middle East, actually, I <coughs> true, find true, yeah. Middle East, and you could say Arab world yes, in general. Yes, yeah, this is yeah. very common. We're like we're not saying that uh, the whole country the whole culture is a perfect place to to have interaction with 
definitely will have your bad moments and good moments, but I think you would see that a lot as uh, as you mentioned earlier in the road. I had kind of incidents on on the road to to Riyadh, mm. for example, or Jeddah, like long roads. Uh, sometimes you would feel yourself trapped in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. no gas station, nothing around you, maybe not even a network for mm-hmm. your phone. Mm-hmm. But yet, some random person yes, it was suddenly, random. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> suddenly stops their car just to help you out, and without even, you know, uh, giving you this uh, feeling that you know we're helping you or something, they would just offer whatever they can do, even as you said, uh, get out of their ways or like uh, delay their whatever they're doing just mm-hmm. to make sure that you're okay, that mm-hmm. you don't need anything else. And go on their ways or mm. invite you for a cup of tea or their traditional coffee. Yeah, these are the gawa. Yeah. The gawa mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this, these moments, I think, collectively give you a main reason to have some kind of uh, relationship or connection with the country and mm. the, the, the culture itself. Mm. You may not feel that you completely fit in in this place or that this is exactly how you expected life to be in Saudi Arabia. But again, you, you have your own place. You, 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 you're comfortable to live and work for mm. uh, this much of time in, in a country. And mm-hmm. you, your initial plan to stay here for a couple of, year, of years and then it extends. That only indicates you actually enjoying your, your time in this country, right? Mm, I think so. I mean, to me, I, I find that because of the challenges this country gives you i mean you can either take it two ways you can either accept it mm-hmm. and just go with the flow mm-hmm. or resist mm-hmm. and if you resist you'll hate it here mm-hmm. because you it's only yourself that will be unhappy mm-hmm. because things don't run like clockwork here you know you you have to it's almost like you have to lower your expectations but that's the beauty of it because they you know people understand that that's how it is here mm-hmm. and one it's almost like a it's almost like a game so it, it it's like people who don't accept it or who who get flustered by it or whatever you realize they need to move on like they have to they still have to grow they need to still understand that this is not the end all and be all mm-hmm. to be able to have the patience cuz a lot of Saudis are very patient, very tolerant. I mean, I have one, I mean, it, it's amazing how tolerant some people can be. Like one at work, one guy was mentioning to me that he was getting a headache, but mm-hmm. he he tolerated for so many weeks the guy sitting next to him. And the guy sitting next to him had really bad body odor. Oh. And he could not say anything to his work colleague next to him. Out of respect. Out of respect, yeah. But the tolerance, I could not believe the tolerance level he underwent. Amazing. You know, so instead, when he couldn't take it anymore, he came to me and asked, could you help? (laughs) (laughs) And I was just looking at him, how the hell can I help? (laughs) You know, and in the end, I I, I was able to fix the situation for him. That's great. Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's amazing, like, uh, how creative you can become sort of thing. But um, it it's it's like a an attitude thing you have to have here, and I think it's that that spirit of adventure to not take yourself too seriously here and to just go with the flow. Because as you 
if you want everything to go like clockwork, if you want everything to be exactly what you plan, it's just not going to happen. True. But sometimes when you go off the plan, it's better. No matter what place you live in or, yeah. or what culture you are in, this is, this is uh, an essential skill or yeah. essential mindset. It's not just mindset. A, a Middle East thing. It's, yes. it's anywhere. Like, Correct. Yeah, it, I think it's, a, it's just a life mantra maybe. True. Uh, True. It just makes your life easier to go through the, the rough patches, you know. So, um, yeah, so I know a lot of people have come to Saudi and they have not liked it at all. But one of the things that I notice is they've resisted everything. Mm-hmm. They complained about certain things because they want it the way that it is in their home country. Uh-huh. But it's not perfect back home either. Because if it was, I you're guess, just used to it. It's yeah, not the right thing. Exactly, you know. So, uh, and a lot of times, they don't even give it a chance. Like mm-hmm. one lady, she she lasted one month. One month wow. isn't enough to even give it a chance. You yeah, know? <laughs> you know, you you. I'm thinking in one month, I was still like trying to buy kitchen things because I had nothing to cut with. (laughs) But it was like trying to work out how to get to a shop to be able to buy Uh these things. I mean, that was my, you know, my focus. So um, a lot of times it's, uh, you know, sometimes to be an expat in in a country that's a little bit challenging, it's actually quite a a developmental experience, mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you take it the right way. Correct. And I think that's probably why I like to travel because every time you go somewhere, it's new and you are always challenged every time. Like the train is cancelled, the plane is cancelled, whatever event you wanted to go to changed. Mm. How do you cope with it? You know, what are you going to do? And it's like, it's that skill i guess of you start to develop with time yeah how do you how how do you um you know how do you trust your own ability to just mm-hmm. make the best of whatever happened um and sometimes like i said it can actually work for the better for you you know something happened and oh it's not what really wanted to happen but then you got invited to something else and or you you met someone else here and it just beca- becomes a much more uh, not a stereotype experience anymore. It's actually become True. a personalized experience, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that that I think it opens the perspective for a whole new thing yeah. you never knew of or you didn't know that is that much fun. For example, yeah, um, and a lot of it is to do with the people that you meet. I think to be flexible, to be tolerant, um, and to think of this as an adventure. Mm-hmm. Don't think of this as um, like this is your life and that's it. This yeah. is just part of your life adventure. You know, True. you're not going to be here, uh, you know, because at the moment you can't really um, stay here. Uh, eventually everyone has to go home. So you will always be a guest in this country. So I think... Make the best of it out of it. Yeah, you know, and, and because if you can make the best out of it, you will actually be more enriched because of mm-hmm. it. And because of that, you will actually leave Saudi Arabia with very good memories. I mean, I know many people who have left Saudi Arabia who've had the same attitude and mm-hmm. when they've left, they miss Saudi Arabia. Uh-huh. You know, you, you, you see what they say. They still remember the memories, The you know, when we're going camping and things like that. I mean, amazing. The locals here are, are avid campers. Uh-huh. They have 
equipment that you were thinking, well, that's a great idea. Why don't we have that overseas, you know? Thank you so much for joining us in this episode today, Liz. Okay, my pleasure, Mahadad. Thank you very much for inviting me. No Had a problem. good time. It's no, like I was li- living down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in with this episode of the Expectations Podcast. It is always helpful to listen to people's experiences and stories for insights while planning for your next move. Feel free to get in touch with us for comments or suggestions on social media at The Expectations. Or you can find the details below in the description. Stay safe. See you next time.